Today we're going to talk about something that is so important but rarely ever mentioned and it's an interesting one because it's mentioned in lots of other areas of life in media and all those kinds of places but not when it comes to dog training. So today we're going to be talking about what it is to have depression or low mood and be a pet parent at the same time. Parenting your much-loved dog is a relationship like no other. Our dogs are individuals and there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to training. Hi, I'm Dr Holly Tett, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist, and each week on Letters from Your Dog, we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view. Thanks for being here. Let's get to the episode. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Letters from Your Dog podcast. I'm Holly and we are already on episode 10. So we're going to be talking about something a little bit different again today. I'm trying to keep your episodes as varied as I possibly can. And we're going to be talking about what it is to have depression or low mood and also to be a pet parent at the same time. Now this is something which I think is talked about a lot generally depression and low mood it's been there's been less of a stigma over recent years and I think people are trying to be more open about mental health difficulties and challenges they might face including depression but actually interestingly it's not something that I hear spoken about a lot in animal training or specifically dog training and behavior circles and I think that's quite interesting so it's almost as if part of the taboo has been broken but there are still areas where it's rife and maybe dog training and behavior is one of them I don't know just a suggestion so this is actually an episode that I did on dog school about a year ago so kind of mid-pandemic time and it was something that resonated with a lot of people so a lot of people came and said actually yeah this is really relevant for me either right now or in the past or it's something that I've had difficulties with for a long time and it's nice to be able to talk about it <laughs> so that's what we're going to be doing here today so for those of you who don't know um, I'm actually a human clinical psychologist as well as working with dogs And so working with people who have difficulties with depression and low mood is something that I've done for a really, really long time and something that I feel like I have a relatively good understanding of. But today I'm not going to talk about it from a psychologist point of view. I'd actually rather talk about it from a personal point of view. So for those of you who haven't seen that episode of Dog School, I went into quite a bit of detail about my own experience with depression and that's what I'm going to do again today. So for me personally, it's something that I have, I'm going to say, dealt with since I was a teenager. And it's kind of ebbed and flowed over the years in terms of how difficult it's felt or how manageable it's felt. And I think that's pretty normal um, for depression. It is something that can kind of come and go or it can be something that's really constant for people and can feel like a bit of a battle sometimes. So we're not going to talk about kind of clinical diagnoses and things like that today but I guess there is a spectrum so some people might feel what they would describe as low mood sometimes so just feeling as though they're just not quite themselves and some people might feel more severe um, symptoms or experiences where it just feels like everything is much much too much to cope with. For me personally I feel like I've been at either end of that spectrum really and there can be a bit of a misconception about what depression looks like for people Um, For some people it might be crippling sadness and tears and being in a dark room. For others it might be going to work and seeing friends and training your dog and actually still really struggling quite a lot on the inside. So the way that I like to think of it and psychology likes to think of it is it's not 
what's wrong with you or what's going on with you, but it's actually what's happened to you. I'm sure there's things in your life that have happened that have led you to this point. It's not something that means there's an issue with you, an error with you, a fault with you. It's just some some crap stuff has happened and we're here and that's okay. But actually, depression doesn't always look like that crippling sadness that I was just talking about. It can look like apathy. It can look like not caring. And actually, that can feel just as difficult to manage and to deal with as the crippling sadness side of things. So for me personally, when I feel that kind of, oh gosh, I just can't be bothered. I don't want to do anything today. Well, that leads to anxiety about then having done nothing today. (laughs) Maybe a level of guilt about maybe not having followed through on some things that I quite wanted to do for other people or for my own dogs, let's say. And what happens with guilt? Well, it takes you right back to apathy normally. So for me personally, if I feel like I haven't done enough, I feel really bad about it. Rather than then immediately feeling motivated to do something, I'm almost kind of propelled back into, oh, what's the point? There's no point in doing that. And that can become a really difficult cycle to manage and to deal with because it does just go round in that constant circle. And then your depression is followed by your anxiety, which is followed by your depression. And we're like, oh my gosh, how do we even manage this? So thinking about where our dogs fit into all of this. Now, our dogs are hugely varied in their personalities and in their needs and what they expect and need from us on a day-to-day basis. But I think we can all agree that they need and deserve some level of interaction, some play, some exercise maybe, and that doesn't have to be in, in the form of a walk, but some kind of exercise, maybe playing with a toy or something like that. Their basic needs like food and sleep and shelter and water, but actually that connection with their with their person as well. And I'm sure all of you will have heard or will have experienced with your own dogs how intuitive they can be to our emotions. So if you have a terrible day and you come home and cry, chances are your dog might be like, oh, what's up, buddy? (laughs) They might come and rest their head on you. They might come and lie next to you. They might not. I mean, they're all different, but they will have some intuitive understanding of maybe things not being quite right. So when that goes on for a longer period and we know that they've got that intuitive understanding, again, what comes back? Our friend, the guilt. (laughs) And we think, oh no, we're not doing enough for this dog. Well, actually, I kind of want to talk you through some of the strategies that I've used over the years that I have found to be not only helpful for me when I'm feeling like that, but actually helpful for my dog as well. And I hope that these will help you if you are in a similar position either now or if you are in the future. Because let's face it, it's totally normal. It's a normal human experience. It's not a weird and wonderful thing. It's something that we all go through, either reactionary because something bad has happened to us, or just because we're stuck in a rut. So don't feel bad about it, but here's some ideas of some things that you can start to do just to make life feel a little bit easier. Okay, so the first one, I really have set my house up for being calm. Because there is nothing worse than when you feel awful and your dog is racing around like a lunatic, bouncing off the walls, getting into stuff, maybe trying to get your focus when you really aren't in the mood to be able to give it barking, whining, whatever your thing is that winds you up. For me, it's barking. I find barking from my own dogs very difficult. Barking from other people's dogs, 
that's no problem. <laughs> but when my own dogs bark excessively, which they don't, but if they did, I would find that quite challenging. And they've definitely been through those phases. They're not immune to those things by any stretch of the imagination. So something that's really important to me is setting my house up for calmness. So my dogs to have calmness as their default emotion. Not only is this fantastic for them and beneficial for their stress levels and all that kind of thing, but it's also helpful for me. So if I am having a day where I need to sleep in for an extra hour, it's no problem. They're going to still be snoozing too they're not going to be pestering me to wake up or feed them or anything like that I also don't have things on on a schedule so my dogs don't get fed at seven and five some days they get a little bit of breakfast at seven sometimes it's 5 a.m sometimes it's 10 (laughs) it depends when I wake up so there's no set no set routine because when you do have a set routine and it goes off that's what causes stress to our dogs because they're like um excuse me it's uh it's eight o'clock could I have my breakfast <laughs> and that's when you start to get some of those um stress behaviors that maybe happen like the whining and the barking because it, the dog's like well what's going on this isn't regular so having some of those things in place which just mean that you've got a nice calm household so thinking about rewarding my dog whenever they show calm behavior teaching them how to settle teaching them that actually when I'm cooking and I've got food out please don't jump at my face and grab it because I'm going to find that quite stressful if I'm in a bad mood for example so that's something to really invest in and as I always say calmness is a skill that needs to be taught it does not come naturally to most dogs especially young dogs so when you're thinking about planning out your training for the day week month make sure that some of that training is including calmness training okay the second one and none of these are groundbreaking guys like these aren't you're not gonna be like oh my gosh holly i'd never thought of this but sometimes it's just nice to have a reminder so the second one is getting some support so this isn't necessarily thinking about support for what you're going through but support for your dog and your dog training so as an example when I got my most recent puppy, who's not a puppy anymore, but I like to think that she is, (laughs) I'd had her a couple of weeks and she was supposed to be going to stay with my friend for the evening because I had an appointment um, that day. And actually, so I met up with my friend, um, we're doing a little bit of socialisation work in a coffee shop with the puppy, having a chat. And she wonderfully said to me, would you would you like me to take the puppy overnight and you can you can get her in the morning and I was like oh my gosh thank you so much I would never have asked her probably but the fact that she offered was incredible because actually I wasn't in a particularly bad place but I was tired I you know new puppy very very tiring waking up in the night all that kind of thing and it meant that I got to go to the supermarket and get some food I got to clean the house I got to look after myself a little bit so sometimes you just need someone to be able to step in and say let me take them you know and that could be someone in your own house that says let me just take them for an hour or go out for a walk or whatever it might be and it might be that you have to ask someone from the outside to come in and give you a little bit of support so that's something that can be really helpful outside of people that you know you've got us for support. (laughs) You've got me, I'll support you. Come into my Facebook group, drop me a message on Instagram, tell me this is what you're struggling with and I'll see what I can do to help you as well. So you're really not alone with it. It's not something that you just have to kind of shut up and put up with. Okay, the third thing, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit already, but it's about that feeling of guilt what do you do with that because that is alive and well when you feel like you're letting your dog down so when you're on your third or your fourth day or week or month of feeling terrible you've done no training you're barely getting them out for a walk whatever it looks like for you 
there comes the guilt. I'm being a bad pet parent. I'm not giving my dog what they need. They're learning bad habits. It doesn't matter what's going through your head, but the guilt that comes with that is really difficult to manage. Now, I know not only as a psychologist, but as a human being, that actually if you try and ignore that guilt, pretend that it doesn't exist, it's not going to go anywhere. (laughs) If we try to pretend difficult emotions aren't there, they're still there. If I tell you to think of, um, to not think of a white zebra with no stripes, of course, that's what you're going to be thinking about. So it's exactly the same with our difficult emotions. So rather than trying to push it down and suppress it, actually just say to yourself, okay, I'm going to have five to ten minutes where I'm just going to sit and feel as bad as I want I can feel like a terrible pet parent I can feel guilty I can feel awful think all these terrible things about myself but only for 10 minutes and I mean literally set a timer for 10 minutes and then as soon as that 10 minutes is up okay so what on earth are you going to do about it you felt terrible for 10 whole minutes okay I'm going to take one tiny little piece of action and if that's something as simple as texting a friend and asking for support fantastic if if it's as simple as taking a dog into the garden and playing fetch with them for five minutes brilliant it doesn't matter what it is but you've given yourself that little indulgent bit of feeling terrible 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 okay now I'm going to do something to make myself feel better because actually guilt does not serve you and it certainly doesn't serve your dog your dog doesn't care if you're sat there feeling guilty that's not going to make them feel any better and it's certainly not going to make you feel any better so just think about okay I've I've sat in it I've wallowed in it and now what is it that I'm going to do okay moving on a little bit we're going to think about so there's some things that you can do with your dog even if you can't get off the sofa So even if you feel so terrible that you can barely move and you can't be bothered to even stand up and cross the room, don't worry, (laughs) we've got some things that you can do. So simplest game in the world, asking your dog for paw, for hand touch, for some kind of connection with you. Not only does this build your connection with your dog, which is what we're all about, (laughs) it's actually it's giving them some connection and some comfort as well because they're getting to make physical contact with you. They're getting a little bit of training at the same time and they're getting to move around a little bit. So play a little game of hand touch on the sofa. Touch my hand here and over here. Use your two hands. They can touch your foot, whatever it might be. Fantastic. That's a great thing that you can play without even moving. Another one, some scent games. So the next time you get up to go to the loo, grab a couple of bowls from the kitchen or plastic beakers or something like that get some tasty treats or even just a bit of your dog's food and just chuck it under one of them see if your dog can smell it out again really easy you barely have to do anything with that when you don't even have to think third one really simple again just keep some tug toys next to your sofa or under a cushion or something like that if your dog likes tugging or a ball if they like playing ball and just lie on the sofa and have a little game of tug with your dog you could even make it into a game of teaching them to drop so as soon as the toy comes out of their mouth you go yay drop or whatever your word is for drop I use thank you personally and then you let them have another game of tug so training your dog does not have to be and actually shouldn't be some big formal session of 15 or 30 minutes or 60 minutes it can be literally 30 seconds of interaction with you if you just want to keep it as a game fantastic if you want to add a little bit of a training component in there too even better but what that's going to do is it's going to give your dog that stimulation that interaction that they need with you and it's actually going to help you too because when you see your dog happy 
that's going to give you a little dopamine hit. You're going to feel a little bit better about yourself. So everybody is winning. (laughs) So there's just a few ideas of things that you can do just to help A, set up your environment and B, to help yourself when you are feeling in those more difficult places. Of course, I'm always going to recommend that you seek some support from a professional if things are feeling particularly challenging. Um, But actually, do remember, our dogs are incredibly forgiving of us. So, you know, if you're having an awful day and you do snap and shout at your dog, now, I'm never going to condone that. We're not about that at Paws Up Dogs. There's Punishment is not for me. It doesn't work for starters and it's just not the relationship that I want to have with my dog. However, having said that, I know that we are all people and I know that at some point we all have a breaking point and we might say just stop or just be quiet. Now it's not the most awful punishment in the world but it is still punishment and it's something that we want to reduce as much as we possibly can. But if it happens once in a blue moon your dog will forgive you so forgive yourself. You cannot change the past, we all know that. And if it happened a minute ago, it's already in the past. So think about that situation. What was it that really pushed me over the edge? Why did I shout at my dog? Okay, how can I set that up so that that doesn't happen again? What do I need? Who do I need? How can I make that a reality for the future? And just to finish up today, I just want to remind anyone who is struggling at the moment, who has struggled in the past, who might struggle in the future... You have survived everything up until this point with your own mental health, with your own life experiences, with your own challenges with your dog training and your dog pet parenting. You have a 100% success rate at surviving (laughs) and not even surviving, but thriving in a lot of cases. So let that lead you. Remember, I've survived everything so far. I have a 100% success rate. So I'll get through this as well. And it's no bad thing to ask for help and to ask for support when you need it. I hope that was helpful to somebody out there. If it was, do drop us a review on our podcast website or let us know what you thought of this episode over on Instagram at Training. Take care.